0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to Midweek in the Word, Sunday Recap. My name's Jennifer Huber, and I'm the Communications Director at Faith Bible. Each week, I'm going to sit down and speak with Pastor Brad about the message we heard on Sunday and a forward look to what we have coming up next week. Through casual conversation, we will explore additional thoughts to the text, additional ways to prep for the coming Sunday. And not only that, we're going to grow in our love and understanding and knowledge of God's word. Now, let's jump to the conversation. So I'm going to throw a different question at you this week. Okay. Are you reading any good books right now?
1: Uh, yes. Or I, okay. are you reading
0: any books? Maybe they're not good or y- helpful. Yes but... and no
1: is the problem. Uh some of my book, I'm, I'm the type of person that starts probably too many books. And so I've got like a dozen or so books sitting on my shelf, uh, right now of books that I've kind of started and haven't finished. And they've gone on the back burner because basically all of my fun or, um, interest reading has been replaced by school, school reading. Sure. Um, so mostly right now I am just, I'm just reading school stuff. Um, I mean, some of those have been good books. Some of those have been less good books, uh, as far as that goes. But uh, I'm trying to think of like, what, what did I pause in the middle of um, that might be interesting? Um, uh, one book that I'm in the middle of right now that I'd love to get back to, and, and and I may be doing a study on it here in January with our young adult group, is is a book entitled How the Nations Rage, mm. which is basically speaking from Psalm 2 and the idea of like, how do believers engage with culture, with the political yeah. sphere? Um, how do we navigate the waters of clear issues biblically versus more gray area issues, kind of like Sundays, you know, you know, issues that we might be divided on or disagree on. Um, So that's, that's been good so far. I've really enjoyed the chance to read that book. Um, Let's see, what else am I, I am looking forward to reading uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Preaching and Preachers. That's coming up for my next, one of my next classes. So it's sitting there, I haven't started it yet, um, but it's coming up. Um, I read an interesting book on Christmas the other day. Uh, I think it's called "The Four Emotions of Christmas."
0: So, have you always um, enjoyed reading? Have you been an avid reader?
1: No, 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 no. no, no. I'm, I'm, am t- terrible that way. Like, I, I grew up in the, in the generation like accelerated reader was a huge thing for okay. me when I was in school and all that. So, like, trying to get kids to love reading, and so they're forcing uh, you to read all these books and right. things. And I found myself going like, I don't enjoy this. So, like, if we force them, they'll learn
0: to love to read. Yeah,
1: exactly. And that sure. was kind of my experience. Um, and so I. When I read, I, like ninety nine percent of the time, I read nonfiction. I'm reading something, and and it doesn't matter, you know, whether I'm doing it was you know construction related stuff, and 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 things like that. When I was in that field, now it's all ministry related stuff, and you know, spiritual sort of vein of books. I've never read a lot of nonfiction or a fiction. I mean, um, though, I've I've got an enjoyment for it. Like, I and it's the problem is I'm a really slow reader. Like, and so like for me to sit down and read a book is not mentally relaxing. <laughs> it's like a task to accomplish. Sure, sure. Even if I'm reading fi- you know, fiction. My wife, I mean Jenna would sit down and she would read, she would just devour fiction books. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't get as much opportunity as she used to, yeah. but she's the kind that would sit down to read, you know, for her growing up in in school it was the Harry Potter series. Yeah. She would go down to a room with a new book and it'd be seven o'clock and it'd be three o'clock in the morning and she'd realize she'd yeah. read that whole time. For me that's like mentally exhaust. <laughs> exhaust just like my husband,
0: one of the things I like about taking vacations is I get a fiction book. Yes. And I will my goal is to finish it either by the time we get there or on our way back and Philip looks at me and goes I don't know anything about that that's enjoyable but I'm glad you do. So I can Bingo. identify with Jenna but that's good. I always see a lot of books in your office and wonder, you know, do you ever get the time to get through the books? But <laughs> you you've always recommended really good books, so Oh, well,
1: I'm glad to hear that. I, I thought it would
0: be interesting for our listeners to hear any some additional reading that you're doing right now.
1: Yeah, I I always like I feel the need to read good books. I, mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things where it's like it's really easy to kind of get into well-worn paths of the way we think. And even from a creativity standpoint, you know, reading fiction and hearing how people tell stories and things like that has a yeah. way of kind of shaping illustrations mm-hmm. and how you speak and and just the words you use and, and things like that. And so I, I've always wished I was a quicker reader sure. so that I could consume a whole lot more than I do um, because I see it as extremely valuable to be reading yeah. books consistently.
0: Well, it's great to get a different picture of a topic or a worldview that you hadn't thought of and yes and of course holding that up to the scriptures and and seeing if it rings true and follows what god has designed but yes it's, it's good to to stretch that muscle
1: it is i i think it really is and and there's so much that's good mm-hmm. i mean there's so much good li- i mean there's a ton of bad literature yeah, out there absolutely. like books there's a ton of really 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 bad books mm-hmm. as well but um there's so much good stuff, you know, especially if you start reading back and start reading, you know, Church Fathers and some of mm-hmm. those, you know, it can be laborious. But there's something, there's a gravitas to going back and reading somebody during the Reformation or reading somebody, you know, from the Puritan era or things like that. Just going like, we don't think that way now. No, we you don't. You know, and and it jars us kind of out of our mindset and our cultural moment yep. and allows us to see something. I, I think it's appropriate to get that light, that window into what's going on for mm-hmm. us.
0: And it's interesting too cuz you can pick up on the differences but you can also pick up on mm-hmm. humanity. We're, we we yeah. haven't really changed that much s- yeah. since yeah. the fall.
1: Yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's it's funny like even even like Sunday's message, the whole yeah. idea of these differences of opinion and the weaker brother and things like mm-hmm. that. The flashpoint is mm-hmm. different culturally mm-hmm. throughout, you know, different contexts and different places and different yes. countries and different times and all of that. But the reality is the heart is exactly the same. Like mm-hmm. the the same issues that we face. Believers have been facing for the last 2,000 years, um, and even beyond. I mean, Old Testament saints were facing the same sort of issues, too. Right. Uh, And it's...
0: They were not exempt, were they?
1: Exactly. Surprisingly normal.
0: Well, that's a great segue into what I always like to ask next, the Sunday recap. Yeah. Big message Sunday. (laughs) Lots of heavy lifting, I'm sure, leading up to the message.
1: It was a little bit. It was, you know, I mean, obviously the cultural moment. I knew this was coming, you know, I knew yeah. chapters 10 through or eight through 10, we're going to be coming down the pike.
0: And we might've noticed had we not covered them.
1: I, uh, yeah, exactly. If I had just skipped them, everybody's like, what's going on here? Uh, yeah. unless they read them and then, oh, now I see, you know, yeah. sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it felt like an appropriate time to speak into situation. You know, we've been wondering for a while, you know, w- how do we reflect back on what we've gone through over the course of the last year? If you, if you consider, you know, you know, James's words that the testing of your faith is intended to produce patience and patience endurance. Like there's, God is trying to produce something in us. And I think sometimes over the last few years, it was easy to be like, we just want to get out of it. Like we want to just get out of it as quickly as possible. We want to forget about it as quickly as possible. Um, but it's like, okay, well, God was doing something. Did we learn something through this? Did we become more like Christ through this? did, Did we edify each other and grow in our awareness of our sin and God's grace through this experience? And so chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians became a natural time to step back and look at that when dealing with this whole issue of food offered idols. The food offered idols is the flashpoint, right? The heart of the issue is this freedom in Christ, you know? How do those that are free and recognize that interact with those who don't see that freedom and have a weaker conscience in this respect? And so... If you weren't able to join us on, on Sunday, essentially we talked about uh, three realities from 1 Corinthians chapter 8. First of all, Paul calls the believers in Corinth to recognize the danger of loveless knowledge, recognize how dangerous it is to operate with knowledge that puffs up as opposed to love that's intended to build people up. And so we talked about how knowledge without love is deceptive. It deceives us into thinking we're we're better off than we actually are and looking down on those who don't see things the same way we do. Um, and then there's this little section in the middle in 4 through 6 that is, that is really a reminder of the fact that idols don't exist and that, that God is so much better than the false idols of this world. And so Paul calls the Corinthian church to remember the source of their love and knowledge, that like all of this matters because God is the source of creation, right? I, I love the little section there at the end, right? Yet for us there is one God and one Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ. Through whom are all things and through whom we exist. I just, I love that refrain, that reminder of like, all of this is for God's glory. You're, you're so worried about this idols thing and this flashpoint and it's, it's a big, but like you serve a real God. Yeah. Right? And he created all of this, and you're living for him. And so that rem- the reminder um, that this is all about God's glory. And then lastly, he deals in 7 through 13 really with the practical matter. Okay, so how do we do this? Like, what are we called to do? Um, and my third point was resolve to practice loving knowledge, right? Like, resolve to commit to this. Because, like, again, knowledge without love is destructive. Like, it will, it will hurt people. It will wound people. It will blow up churches. It will cause all sorts of issues without love right it's not that knowledge is wrong it's not that knowledge is bad i mean paul's very clear on that going through but he's it's more like your salvation through christ has been given to you the knowledge you have has been given to build up your brother it hasn't been given to you to flex your own freedom in christ right that freedom is freedom from your selfish self-centered mindset and freedom to obey christ and to love your brothers And sometimes we can get that like we we can get American like liberty and freedom confused with Christian freedom. Yeah. And so we white knuckle it and we Mm -hmm. feel like we've got to hold on to every right and freedom we have Mm -hmm. as believers. And Christ is like, I had the freedom to do whatever I wanted. And I laid down all of that and I came to Earth and I died on your behalf. And I'm calling you to do the same thing. I'm calling you to lay down your freedom for the sake of another person Mm -hmm. and for my glory yeah. And we're supposed to follow in that Amen. footsteps. Like
0: just a convicting message of love first. Just mm. because we know something doesn't mean we should lead with that. I, I personally was very convicted by that and, and uh thank you for just staying true to the text this week.
1: Uh, we did we did our best to be honest with the text and yeah. also address where it really hits us close to home.
0: Yeah. So in in light of that and looking at the text, I mean you covered a lot. It mm. doesn't feel like there could been more, but if you had five, min- five more minutes on Sunday, what what would you have given us?
1: Yeah, most most practically, uh, I, I I quoted that, that quote from Al Mohler that I mentioned. Yeah. Uh, I had somebody come up to me and say, uh, what's ontology?
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, the, the woman who's sitting next to me, I almost thought, we need a thesaurus or a dictionary yeah, or something I, here.
1: I didn't think about that, but that <laughs> whole idea of preference trumping ontology. And, and, and ontology is this metaphysical kind of area that deals with the nature and the relation of being like the nature of things, it's a, it deals with abstract. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, it's like the why question, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, why do we exist? And I just, I found his, his comment so insightful because he's like, our personal preferences and our own desires have trumped the, the why do I exist question. Absolutely. People aren't asking so much, what am I supposed to live for? Why am I supposed to exist? They're, they're more just presuming my existence is to gratify my personal preferences and, like, that is a dangerous place to be, you know, and it's like when you're asking, when you're more concerned with, like, can I get the latest iPhone in the color I want, then, like, why am I supposed to be living? Right. That's a scary, scary place to be. And, and right. we can kind of settle into that sort of a mindset, even as believers sometime, where it's about the peculiarities rather than the why of why we exist. And so, yeah, that ontology thing. But more specifically, probably what I would have gone into a little bit more detail on that I didn't get the chance to is is really the relationship between doctrine and community. You know, we he warns okay. against like love or knowledge without love, but we didn't get to speak to kind of knowledge with love. Hmm. Right? He says that love without and, and I spoke to this a little bit, right? Like love without knowledge is mere sentiment. All right, it's it's a uh, It's a warm Christmas car. You know what I mean? Like it's nostalgia. It's like, oh, we should all just be nice to each other and sing Kumbaya. And you're like, well, we know in the real world where there's wars and famine and and real relationships, that doesn't work. Like this ethereal love without any sort of truth does not work functionally. We also know, and he was speaking to it, that like knowledge without love, right, that's arrogance and that's hurt. Like when we flex our intellect without having any sort of heart, we just hurt people. We just wound each other. But what we didn't get the chance to talk very much to is like – knowledge operating through love results in impact in people's lives, right? Like that's his whole point, right? Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. And we didn't get the chance to talk so much about the positive aspect. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's when we take our biblical knowledge and our instruction and, and what we have learned and exercise it through love that people are actually edified, you know, Tom always used to say, and I, I love the quote, like people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean we stop with just them knowing how much we care, right? But then we exercise that knowledge for their upbuilding and for their love, for for to produce in them um, Christ-like attitudes and actions and behaviors. And they for us, like it's not all just about us either. It's when these two things, truth and love, doctrine, and community are operating in the same sphere, that people are truly edified. Like when you have truth, knowledge, doctrine operating with clarity and conciseness, espousing the truths of the gospel and redemption with clarity, as well as orthodoxy of community, this sacrificial body love, what you have is a powerful vehicle for evangelism and seeing people come to Christ. Because not only will they see like... God, man, Christ responds, and hear that clearly articulated that they are sinners. Like it's not we avoid truth, but there is redemption through Christ if they if they turn from and turn from their sin, repent and return to Christ. But then they see that sort of redemption and that sort of love practiced out in a community. You know, it's. It's, it's not been rare, and, and you'll, you'll hear people talk about this many times, that when you got an unbeliever that visits on a Sunday or comes with a relative or gets an invite from their neighbor to come to church, it's more often than not at first the clarity of the preaching that gets their attention. Yes. It's the practice of the church's love that gets mm-hmm. their attention. Now, again, they're not going to become saved. like They're not going to realize their need for a Savior unless they hear the truth. But more often than not, they're won over— by the love of the community they're experiencing that's so strange to the world. And then they're convicted of the truth. And so like when knowledge operates through love, you get transformation in people's lives. And, and that's really important to note.
0: Yeah. That was one of the notes I wrote down that you had said on Sunday was exactly what you just said. The, the preaching will will hopefully reach them and, and transform them and God will use that as a step in, in their salvation story but the first thing that an unbeliever is going to see when they walk through is how we love each other yeah. and what that looks like. And and another point, you had also talked a little bit to, um, to a restoration, that if looking back over the last few years or if, if there is a brother that we have offended, mm-hmm. that it's it's not too late to still go back in love. And yeah. so I appreciated that call to restoration as well, that it's what's happened in the past is past, but what do we do looking forward?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We, we too often, I think, take the world's approach, that mm-hmm. it's like once a bridge has been burned, that's it it's burned.
0: It's up in smoke, can't yeah. go back. and it
1: doesn't matter if it's like a sibling that we, we got sideways with early in life or it's a, a spouse that things aren't going well with mm-hmm. or it's a parent or if it's a coworker or a boss or things like that. We, we tend to think the way the world does in kind of a yeah. feudalistic or um, it's not worth the effort, right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is like the, the truth of God's word God's speech creates new life for us to believe that the gospel could change our heart and bring us to a knowledge of, of repentance and, and faith, but it can't do it in somebody else's life is a really dangerous place to be because it presumes that there's something special about us that made us and understand it. And it puts too it, much
0: responsibility on us okay, yeah. as far as that we have the control to change it.
1: Yeah. And, and the truth is, I mean, practically speaking, not everybody's going to respond well. Right. Like if a bridge has been burned and you reach out and you apologize, it's not going to go well. It's not always going to go well. It didn't go well for Christ. Like right. and he wasn't apologizing, but like when he reached out to people, they rejected right. him too, Right. you know, and that's going to happen and you're going to do your best, but all you can do is try and be faithful. Like when you have wounded, I mean, you know, it's, when you realize you've sinned against your brother, go to them. It's Matthew 18, yep. you know.
0: It's man. command. Yeah, it,
1: yeah and, and it's not strange either. Like there's two things that are absolute certainties in this world. Number one is the sin. Like anytime people get close enough to each other. Like, I mean, if you're going to be a hermit and go live out in the country somewhere and never meet anybody, probably you'll be okay. <laughs> right? But as long as you're with people, you're going to sin against each other. Oh, that's absolutely. inevitable. Like that's inevitable, which means the alternative there has to be in order for that relationship to be maintained, there has to be continual forgiveness and repentance.
0: An awareness, yeah. an awareness of walking away from a conversation going, I wonder if they heard that, what I yeah. just said, what if they took that wrong and, yeah. and just addressing it and putting it to rest. And, yeah. and, uh, so I appreciated that. I appreciate that application of that. Um, moving forward, what is, what is something, um, from the message as you're, as you're up there preaching for those of us that walked away on Sunday? what what was your prayer for our ultimate takeaway
1: oh, man that's that's a really good question i i would hope that people through this and through the coming messages would learn to view each other and to learn to view their opinions and their convictions and and their personal preferences Through the light of love. Like, Hmm. because, and again, I don't mean a squishy, you know, kind of world understanding of love, but like that sort of agape self sacrificing, regardless of whether this person responds correctly in this moment to me, I am going to choose to do what is best for them, regardless of what they do to me. That's sort of like putting that framework on our decisions and the way we interact with one another. And because when we start looking at the person and we start hearing their story and we start understanding where they're coming from, we're v- much less quick to drop our truth bomb on, on their yeah. life. And be like, let me give you my trump card for why I was right about COVID. <laughs> right. Oh, let's assume for a moment you were Right. Right. Like you don't and the more you get into a relationship, the more you see that, like the closer you are to somebody. It's the same reason that, like, you, you don't talk like you don't you don't speak like that to your family when you get together for the holidays. Or maybe you do and you shouldn't. I don't know. Like a, <laughs> it but might like, depend
0: on which family table you're sitting exactly.
1: at. Exactly, <laughs> but, but then we'll just we'll just blast away on social yeah. media. Right. Because we're right. never going to see that person. So we don't have to worry about right. it. Right. They're a nameless, mm-hmm. faceless person that we never have to meet. Well, the, the more you know somebody, the closer you are to them the more you're going to start to temper, mm-hmm. you know, what you say and how you say it. And the church is called to be a place where we know each other and we're known by each other. And we care enough to temper our own strongly held convictions. I'm not saying people shouldn't have convictions, mm-hmm. but we temper those and the way we exercise and them. And we don't lead because with we, them. Yeah. 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 I mean, like there are, there are two very, like you can disagree and you can disagree well. Like in fact, probably the church needs more disagreement, not less, yeah. but they need more healthy disagreement, right? And they need less arguing the way the world does, right? Less less name calling, less straw man look arguments. The is what I hear. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think that's the biggest one. Um, you know, so from, so from like from a practical application standpoint, a few of the things that I would encourage people to just just like practically is like spend some time to identify the hills to die on. Hmm. You know, if everything, every opinion you have is a hill to die on or a reason to leave the church, that's a problem. Like that's not actually a a place of strength. That's not a, well, I'm just the most doctrinally discerning person out there. No, 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 no. Hmm. Like that's that's a dangerous place to be. Hmm. Not everything, not all of what we say is fighting words or shouldn't be. You know, and more often than not, the church has fought and divided over less important things, mm-hmm. not more important things. I mean, I'm not saying let's have the debate. Like if, if somebody starts to question the Trinity, you know, or the hypostatic union, or somebody mm-hmm. wants to question substitutionary atonement, okay, let's have that. Those are hills to die on. Mm-hmm. Whether or not to drink alcohol, like yeah. what you think about COVID, yeah. things like that, unfortunately, have hurt people and churches have divided over these issues when they aren't hills to die on. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'd encourage people to take some time to consider those hills, hills to die on, what I would mm-hmm. do Also, just practically, you know, seek to know and understand your brothers and sisters in Christ. Too often we're, you know, we're not quick to listen and slow to speak. We're quick to speak and slow to listen. Right. We don't seek to understand people and we don't know what we would say and what implication that would have for them because we don't know their story. Mm-hmm. You know, and we don't know what's going on with them. That's, I mean, that's part of the you know shameless plug here. That's part of the reason for the small group ministry of the church, right? Yeah. It's somewhere that you can know others, you can be known by them in a real sense.
0: Absolutely,
1: not in an abstract. Oh well, you know, those people sit on the north side of the church, yeah. and I know their face. I mean, that's cool. I smile at them
0: in the hall every Sunday. Yeah, exactly. It's a different, it's a different relationship.
1: Yeah, and, and, and it's like when I mean, th- there's a chance that you're going to offend those people too, and so like there's still a, the template in place, but like. Real brothers and sisters who know you and know what you're weak in. You know, I think that's appropriate for us to consider, like, where am I weak? Where am I the weaker brother? We're all the weaker brother in mm-hmm. some area. Absolutely. Right? We all want right. to pit ourselves as the stronger brother in <laughs> every situation. Well, that's not true. No, no body. That's not the way it no. works. And so, like, finding a place where people can speak into you and allow you to be the weaker brother and care for you just like you can care for them. Um, is really, really good. And that's, again, that's my shameless plug for Faith Life, you know, in the small group ministry of the church. It's good.
0: It's a good reminder. That's, again, why that ministry exists, is to set these things in motion Yeah. so we can have those relationships and we can go to a brother and we can love. One of the things that keeps ringing over and over in my head, and I thought of it Sunday, is you might have said it last week or the week before, I'm not sure when, is that we have more in common as believers Mm. because of, Christ and because of his work on the cross yeah. then things we don't have in common. We're g- I would say if we sat down there's probably a lot of us that politically don't vote the same. There's a lot yeah. of us that did not look at COVID the same. A lot of us that don't look at raising our children the same, but there's so many of these little things that we probably on paper do disagree with. Yep. But fundamentally we're we're bound together by a greater love in Christ. And so that kept ringing over in my head on Sunday was you're right. We have all these things, but if we can come back to that reminder of, as believers, we have we're a family. No matter where you yeah. are, you have a family in Christ.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that, and that's an important thing to keep in front of us at all times, because it's so easy to get off on the it, mm-hmm. it, it's so easy to get off on the things that we're different on. Yeah, and those things matter. Like, I mean, when we get to First Corinthians, uh, you know, like twelve, and we're talking about spiritual gifts, he's going to talk about how the diversity mm-hmm. is important in the church. Like one of the dangers of of dividing over all these issues and becoming tribalistic kind of the way we are on our social media feeds Mm. is if we start doing that in the church, what you get is you get a very all the same sort of church, you know, so you're all young or you're all old or you're all Republicans or you're all Democrats Mm -hmm. or you're all of one race or you're all Mm -hmm. of one socioeconomic situation. And when you get in that situation, that's actually kind of a dangerous place to be. Because you, it's number one, you're, yeah, it it may it, it, it become an echo chamber. Yeah. Then all of a sudden your church is an echo chamber. And that is a that is a scary place to be because you're probably not seeing things objectively mm-hmm. as well as you would if, if there was some diversity. And and that's what the church is called. Like, I mean, when you see the vision of the church ultimate celebrating and worshiping God in heaven from every tribe, tongue mm-hmm. and nation like that is we're looking to be as true to that as we mm-hmm. can in our local physical congregations, you know, and so like being totally homogenous in your church is not actually a strength. Yeah. And we tend to think that way because like then we're not fighting, right? We all agree on everything. So right. we won't fight with each other.
0: It's all cozy. It's all great.
1: That's not the vision that's casted, cast for the church. the The vision that's cast for the church is all sorts of diversity, mm-hmm. but unified behind what really matters, you know, behind Christ. Yeah. And yeah, there's room for disagreeing on some of that other stuff and that's appropriate, but don't sacrifice that for what the biggest the biggest issue is.
0: Well, thank you. I could probably sit in here and talk <laughs> about this with you all day. I yeah, just right. appreciate your, um, your take on this text and, and what you've allowed mm-hmm. the Lord to speak through you, Brad. So thank you for that. You mm-hmm. kind of talked a little bit about spiritual gifts coming up. So yeah. that reminded me, Sunday's coming.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Um, I believe we're done in Chapter 8. Yes. So go ahead and tell us ways we can get ready for Sunday, some texts we can read. Sounds like you have a big library of books, so (laughs) is there anything we can come borrow, or what can we do to...
1: I, I don't know if I have any books that would be particularly <laughs> on First Corinthians nine. It'd be something to consider. I should have, I should have considered that ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, we'll be jumping into First Corinthians chapter nine. We got all the way through chapter eight this last week. We'll be looking at the first fourteen verses of chapter nine. We'll cover the rest of it in two weeks here after Thanksgiving, as well. Um, but really, what we see here in, in the first fourteen verses is Paul gives them a practical, exa- practical example of how he has surrendered his rights for their sake. So he's calling them the weak, or, you know, the stronger brothers, lay down your rights of getting to eat whatever meat you want, wherever you want it, whenever you want it, around whoever you want it. Hmm. Uh, he's calling them to stop doing that for the sake of others. And then he says, well, you want to know how I've done that for you? Let me let me tell you, not in a boastful, arrogant way, but like, a, I did this for your spiritual benefit. And can you see how I I laid down my rights as a strong believer? I laid down my apostleship. I, I didn't approach you in those ways. I approached you in humility. And so he really holds that up as an example. Um, and I love, I love the way he says this right at the end of the section in verse 12. He says, nevertheless, right, in spite of all of these rights he has, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. So he says, so I've put down all of these things that I know from my biblical knowledge I could do, and I have every right to be paid and to have a wife and, and all these things that he talks about that will go through. But He says, I've put all of these things down so that I don't put an obstacle in the way of you understanding the gospel and growing in your knowledge of Christ. And I would encourage us to consider that too, you know, like, what things might we be willing to lay down that would remove obstacles for our unbelieving friends and neighbors and coworkers to help see them come to a saving knowledge of the gospel? And, and what would help us promote the gospel to other brothers and sisters in the church? You know, what things could I lay down that would allow me to engage with them better for the sake of the gospel and God's glory? As we're heading that direction too, I would encourage people to consider in their own lives, like as they're engaging with other believers, we tend to miss the sacrifices others are making on our behalf. When we always presume we're the stronger brother, yeah. when we don't recognize where we're weak, we fail to see how other people are um, bearing with our problems as well. And so, I'd encourage people try to be thoughtful about that, prayerful about that, looking at your relationships and like what what things are people bearing with me in, and, and can I thank them for that. Yeah, you know, and celebrate great. what God has done. I'm
0: looking forward to Sunday's message. Sounds like it's going to be another good, convicting text that I'm the, the Lord it. has laid out for us. But um, anything else you'd like to to say to that text or to the listeners for the rest of the week? Any encouragement you have?
1: Uh, you know, I don't I don't know that I have anything in particular. You covered everything uh,
0: extremely well, so
1: I, th- I think we got a good sense for it. So come back good. next week and we'll
0: <laughs> we'll yeah. fill you in on
1: whatever we missed.
0: We'll see how good we did with that forward look. Right there, you go. <laughs> well, thanks again, Brad, for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Midweek in the Word Sunday Recap. This is a production of Faith Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. We'll be back next week with a new recap and a forward look to our Sunday sermon. Make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. We leave you with this encouragement out of 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We'll see you next week as we sit down with Pastor Brad for another episode of Midweek in the Word Sunday Recap.